Good morning. My name is Becky Horst. I'm the coordinator of the convocation program here. Welcome to the last convocation of spring semester. This is a special one. This is something we've never done before. Today, several students are going to share from their own experience with learning disabilities, the invisible disability. I don't know if you noticed the quotation from Calvin Coolidge on the announcement loop there, but of the word that he emphasized was persistence and how important persistence is, and I think we'll hear that echoed in the student stories this morning. Afterwards, you are all invited to attend a talkback session with some refreshments in the gathering rooms, the rooms across the hall on this side of the, um, of the sanctuary. Thank you for coming. Now let's give our attention to these student stories. Good morning and welcome to Convocation. My name is Rebecca Fast. And I'm Libby Smith. Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, Sir Winston Churchill, Whoopi Goldberg, Alexander Graham Bell, Walt Disney, Agatha Christie, Pablo Picasso, Sir Isaac Newton, Magic Johnson. You may be wondering what these people have in common besides making large contributions to the fields of literature, science, and politics they have or were suspected of having learning disabilities. This morning's convo is titled Learning Disabilities, an Invisible Disability. It is our hope to take a closer look at what learning disabilities are and how students work to be successful here at Goshen College. Through new information and stories, we hope to shed light on the shadow of ambiguity that surrounds this group of individuals. We will begin by talking this morning about that little afterthought that many of you might have ignored on your course syllabi. This part at the end that reads something like, Goshen College wants to help all students be as academically successful as possible if you have a disability and require accommodations, etc., to you, to you students, this may have seemed forgettable, perhaps even repetitive. To some teachers, this may have been a protocol that you thought very little of. But to the 31 diagnosed students with learning disabilities at Goshen College, this is a statement that says we are capable of and that we will be supported in our pursuit of academic excellence. There is a Greek myth that goes something like this. There once was a man named Sisyphus. The gods condemned Sisyphus to a task that would keep him captive. His task was to roll a boulder up a steep mountain. But whenever Sisyphus somehow manages to reach the top of the mountain with this rock, it would once again fall back on its own weight, and Sisyphus must again begin his task. The gods in punishing Sisyphus had known that there was no greater punishment than futile and hopeless labor. Can you imagine the frustration that Sisyphus would have felt, the fatigue and the sense of fail failure this re repetitious task would have been for him? While this Greek myth may seem archaic, Sisyphus' story is lived out among us. Like Sisyphus, people with learning disabilities perform tasks that may seem like meaningless cycles of failure. Today we want to relate the story of Sisyphus to the boulder that people with learning disabilities must push. Some of us must push boulders of lead up steep ice-covered mountains in order to achieve a level of success. Today we have the knowledge to comprehend the struggle and different ways in which we approach the mountain or life. What makes this struggle so difficult for some of us is that we often have an invisible boulder. Imagine having important thoughts you wish to communicate and being unable to do so. Imagine researching an essay that you have no ability to actually print out. 
Imagine reading something on the blackboard and having no capacity to copy what you are seeing onto your paper. Imagine being unable to read and being too ashamed to get help. Imagine sitting in a math class and the, when the concept of 10 or 100 cannot be attached to any concrete reality. Students with learning disabilities learn differently than their peers. Although they have average or even above average intelligence, there is a discrepancy between their abilities and their actual achievements. We are all born with an innate desire to feel competent and therefore successful. What happens to those who do not experience success, particularly in school? Do they not really want to succeed, or is there something preventing their success? Unlike physical handicaps, learning disabilities are invisible, being neither apparent to outside observers nor identifiable by race, gender, religion, or physical characteristics. Because of the invisibility of most aspects of learning disabilities, there are many myths surrounding them. Myth number one. Many people believe that persons with learning disabilities are stupid or a little less intelligent than their peers. Fact. Learning disabilities are differences in how, person, how a person's brain receives, processes, and outputs information. This has no effect on an individual's intelligence. They simply learn differently from their peers. This is often a discrepancy between their abilities and their actual achievement. Myth number two. People with learning disabilities are lazy. Fact. People with learning disabilities may make the same mistakes dozens of times. They may forget homework assignments, may miss a meeting, or do something they have just been told not to do. This is all a part of their struggle. Myth number three. With effort, most people can outgrow their learning disabilities. Fact. While the specific causes of learning disabilities are debated, it is clear that learning disabilities, once manifested, are always present. However, the goal of much school accommodation is to teach individuals with learning disabilities the tools that will help them develop sustainable compensatory strategies for the rest of their lives. To put it succinctly, children with learning disabilities grow up into adults with learning disability. Learning disabilities affect how information is received, processed, communicated. There are a variety of disorders that affect the way verbal and nonverbal information is acquired, understood, organized, remembered, and expressed. Today, two students would like to share part of how having learning disabilities have shaped and affected their lives. Hello, my name is Jesse Shaver. I'm a third year computer science student from Seattle, Washington. For my part today, I would like to share a little bit about my early childhood experience, or my early school experiences growing up with uh, learning disabilities. As some of you may know, I have dyslexia in the very classic sense that I, as a young child, uh, reverse things and uh, would invert sentences and even mirror write. Although we later realized that it ran in my family, I was the, I was the oldest child and uh, was the first one diagnosed with it as the diagnosis didn't even exist in the mainstream when my parents went to school. Before I go any further, I want to point out that learning disabilities vary between people. Even people labeled with dyslexia, there are many different ways that they manifest and many different severities. So these are my experiences, and, and they're admittedly not representative of everyone with dyslexia, everyone on campus, or the broader uh, disabled learning disabled community in general. So I just want to make that clear. But by the end of second grade, I couldn't read at all. The school said, oh, it's okay. He's motivated. He's smart. Some kids just learn to read a little bit later. 
Clearly, I was smart. My vocabulary dwarfed that of most of my peers. As other students um, were building stores or farms for our class town that we made in the corner of the classroom, I decided I wanted to make the power company. And so I, had set, up, I set up telephone poles with uh, street lights on them made out of Christmas lights, and I almost got an elevator in the hospital that was electric, but didn't quite pull that one off. It didn't have time. So clearly I was smart. I was giving school tours in, in second grade to uh, parents of prospective students, and word got back to my mom that they were rather impressed by it. I don't actually remember that very well, but I believe her. Yet I, I still couldn't read. I, I couldn't read a word. And so my parents realized that there was something wrong, and they sent me to an educational psychologist who, after hours of testing, determined that I had dyslexia. Now, the school I was at was clearly not going to cut it. The resource room had me jumping up and down a trampoline reading scientific words when I couldn't read four- and five-letter words because they felt it would make me more motivated, and motivation was not my issue. So my parents pulled me out and sent me to another school uh, for three years that, spent, that specialized in teaching students with learning disabilities who were behind in school how to read, write, and do math. And that was, that was highly effective, but it was an exhausting three years. I was mainstreamed in sixth grade back into public school, but this raised a whole host of other questions. What math class should I go into? I still couldn't do my times tables after three years of intensive work on it. But at the same time, I could, I could deal with basic algebra. And all the concepts of math came very easily to me. So, so do they put me in, this, in the classroom that tries to deal with these lower level skills that I don't have and it would be good for me to have but that I beat to death and still don't know? Or do they put me in the higher level classes that are interesting with the full knowledge that I still can't multiply in my head. Writing was a similar issue. I was, I was ready conceptually for the more complex uh, advanced classes that were dealing with critical thinking, that were dealing with higher level analysis. But my reading was still slow and my writing wasn't very good. And so do I go into the class that's working on the basic writing skills that I still don't really fully have or I go into the, into the right class that's where you're expected to have these skills, fully knowing that I don't have those skills, but that I, I'm ready um, uh, from an idea perspective to work on that level. In the end, my parents opted, and with the district opted, to send, put me in the higher level classes with accommodations. I used a calculator, I typed things, and that worked fairly well. But it was hard. I was the only student in the Seattle School District that anyone could remember who qualified both for an IEP, an individualized education plan that gave me accommodations in class and exempted me from some requirements, and at the same time was in highly capable classes. They didn't know what to do with me. Fortunately, my parents were very good about about standing up for that and about um, ensuring that I got the, the resources and the accommodations I needed. My story of learning disabilities is, is, and I think most people's, is a story of discrepancies. While some of my abilities were well above normal, some 
lagged far behind. This forced my family and my school to walk this tenuous uh, balance between addressing the issues that I, the basic issues that I still did not know and still did not have, and keeping me interested and challenged in school on a, on a higher level and, and on a conceptual level. In the end, I think we all together did a fairly good job, but it was often difficult at the time to know how everything fit together and what it all meant. So what would I like you to take away from Convo today? I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I also, I don't want your offers of, of help because you feel, you feel bad. What I would ask for is your awareness, that you realize that not everyone thinks the same way you do, that not everyone has the same things come easily to you as, as you've had. And that different people have different sets of skills and different places where they excel. Finally, I would hope that if you have any questions that you would uh, please ask. I would, speaking for myself, I would much rather you ask me or someone else with learning disability than that you would wonder or, or make assumptions that will more likely than not very often turn out to be wrong. I would rather have you all be informed as you go through your lives and interact with other students with learning disabilities than, than make assumptions that don't do anyone any service. Thank you for your time. Hi, my name is Angie Holmes, and I'm a sophomore, and my favorite animal is a pig. Um, I'm going to be talking about mostly my high school experience. Growing up, it seemed that I always got the fuzzy end of the lollipop. Being the middle child and the only girl, equality didn't exist. My brothers formed a tight bond, and I was always the odd man out. From a young age, I felt like an outsider. Being the only female in an all-male household slightly contributed, but there were bigger forces at work. I was diagnosed with a learning disability in the third grade. I quickly began to realize that I was different. I was labeled. I was the special child in my family and in the classroom. I was stuck between two amazingly talented brothers. One was a genius and the other was an athletic superstar. I never felt that I measured up. When I entered high school, this feeling of inadequacy just became more noticeable. I never took a typing class or an art class because I had to be in a special study hall where I could get help with my homework. Most LD students in my high school were in special classes, classes that were at a lower level or classes that had teaching aids. I refused to be in these classes because I wanted to go to college. At my school, you could pick either a tech prep or a college prep track. I picked the college route. I always knew I wanted to go to college, but my high school had lower standards for me. They told my father and I that LD kids don't go to college. 
They suggested that I choose a type hip route. I could still go to college, but the classes would be easier. Again, I refuse. In my early years of high school, I wasn't allowed in college preparatory English. Finally, in my senior year of high school, I was allowed to take college preparatory English after proving my being, that I was able to be successful. For me, geometry proved to be a particular struggle. One day, I was called into my advisor's office to discuss my progress. During the meeting, he asked why my math competency score was so high, but I was failing geometry. I looked him directly in the eye, and I almost started crying. I told him I just didn't get it. Sometimes my math book would fly off my desk in frustration. My tests would come back with question marks and the statement, what were you thinking? It wasn't until my swim coach took me one-on-one -on -one and helped me that I pulled a C minus. When my class went to visit IUPUI, one of my teachers said, for those of you who are LD and do choose to go to college, you should really consider this school because it has a great LD program. This irritated me because I didn't want my learning disability to define me. I wanted to go to school I liked. I didn't want my main reason for going to school be because of the LD program. I knew I could be successful anywhere I went. Yes, I struggle, and yes, I need help, but I didn't want to settle for less. I knew I'd just have to work harder. After I was accepted Goshen and I met with my high school advisor, he told me that I should be proud because few LD students go on to college. My high school experience frustrated me. I was in normal classes with usually no other LD students. I felt I wasn't good as the other students. School was a struggle. I knew I was smart, but I was aware of how different I was from other students. It took me longer to finish tests and to understand new concepts. I spent hours on assignments that others finished in minutes. I dreaded reading out loud because I struggled. I had to work really hard just to be average. Being LD made me aware of my differences. And because I had a difficult time in school, I felt like others thought less of me. I always thought I had to prove something. I felt that I had to show that I was just as good as everyone else. I took school seriously because I had to. One bad grade was a sign that I wasn't as capable as others. For much of my life, I felt that there was a shadow following me, a shadow that points out that I was slow. I feel that people look at me different when they find out I have a learning disability, like with my high school. I feel that I must prove that I am the same. Sometimes I think there is this automatic association that people link LD and stupid, and I hope Sunday this link will be broken.
According to the National Institute of Mental Health, 4.6 million people in the United States have learning disabilities, and at least 31 of those people are on Goshen campus. This is not an abstract concept or something to be swept under the rug. These people are as capable and as human as any of you. They deserve the opportunity to find fulfillment and success in their academics and in their lives. But everyone requires help and support in their academic career. Studies have shown that there are many different ways to learn, and countless methods exist differentiating these different learning styles. Each style requires a different kind of teaching in order for these students to succeed and truly be passionate and capable learners. In the current education system, which is manifested on Goshen College campus, has been designed to accommodate the needs of the majority, a type of learning that excels with traditional pedagogy. However, this system remains stuck in its hard-worn track and seems to be satisfied with a system that inevitably creates in each class the normal stratification where a certain percentage of, of the class will always fail. I came to Goshen because I believed it was a different kind of institution. I believe that Goshen's core values and commitment to social justice would translate into a compassionate learning environment where every student was valued and given the fullest opportunity to succeed and thrive. Frankly, I have been disappointed. I have had some amazing teachers at Goshen College and will always be grateful for their compassion and understanding. But these individuals have sadly been a minority in an institution setting geared to a majority. At Goshen, I have found the standard myths to be widely held by faculty and administration, that we're just a little less smart, that we're a little lazy, that it would bankrupt the system to accommodate students with learning disabilities, that they're already accommodated, or that these concerns are sufficiently addressed by having a paragraph tacked to the end of every syllabus. As Goshen looks to find its place in the next 50 years amidst the competi competition of other liberal arts schools and Mennonite institutions, we will have to make some choices. What will Goshen be known for? Why will students come to choose here over thousands of other cheaper options? Every year, Goshen admits between 3 and 10 students with learning disabilities. These students are already a statistical minority as according to the National Longitudinal Transition Study, only 13% of students with learning disabilities attend any post-secondary education programs. This means that this 13% who make it to Goshen are deeply motivated and academically capable. This is what it would look this is what it would take to move forward as an institution on this issue. Passionate learners come from passionate teachers teachers who are willing to take a second look at students who are struggling with one particular way of learning and are willing to take time to learn about different pedagogical approaches. It takes an institution being willing to change our policies to reflect a commitment for each individual student. And let us return to where we began with Sisyphus. I believe that if we can understand his frustrated struggle to reach the top of the mountain, that if we can embrace that he will find his way to the top differently, and if we offer aid and support along the way, then he will reach the top of the mountain. That's one way of looking at the allegory of Sisyphus, but I've come to another understanding. I have realized that my learning disability is never going to go away. I will always have this boulder to carry. But with good accommodations, I don't have to carry it uphill, and the playing field becomes level. 
And this leveling of the playing field is all that those of us with learning disabilities are asking for. A reminder for you to join us in the gathering rooms to my left um, for refreshments following this convocation. You are dismissed. <laughs>